Well, we're in the middle of a series that we're calling All In. This, this series is kind of a message for the house, but I want you to know if you're brand new today, I just want you to open your heart and, and hear what God has to say to you because I know, how many of you know that God can speak to us no matter what the content is? Uh, if you've missed any, missed any of the messages in our series, you can check them out uh, on most places podcasts are played. You can also watch them on the Church Center app or on our YouTube channel. So today we're actually in week three. Somebody say week three. And the goal of this series is to challenge people to be all that God has called them to be for Christ, to be all in. And as a matter of fact, I was in a meeting this last Wednesday with our outreach team and one of the team members came up to me and they said, Pastor Sean, I just want you to know my husband and I, we're all in. Everything that you're preaching, everything that you and Pastor Chris have been talking about, we are all in and we're so excited to be a part of the Grace Place. And that just represents one of many of our people here at the Grace Place, and we are just so blessed to have a church that is so committed and so all in. Well, today, the title of our message is The Response. Somebody say The Response. How many know everything builds up to a response? And as individuals, we we take an action based off of the information that God has put into our heart and the things that we've been challenged with. So today, we're going to respond to God's invitation to us being all in. And how would somebody respond when God says, hey, I want you to be all in? Well, To do that, I think we need to be able to answer a really important question, and we're going to try to do that today in the message. And the question is this, it is, how do we serve? How do we serve? Not how do I want to serve, or how does Pastor Krista want me to serve, but actually, what does Scripture say about serving in the kingdom of God? And it's not just about serving in the church family, but it's about our home, our workplace, the education place that we find ourselves in, the classroom. Scripture is really clear to us as to how we serve You know, Paul and Peter talk a lot about serving, and there's so many things to be said. We don't have time for that today, but we're just going to focus in on a few things that I felt were really important for our church. Our text for today is coming from Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. You can turn there, you can click there, or you can read it up on the screen. Here's what it says, for we are God's handiwork. Somebody say handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Before you were ever born, God thought about you. And he thought about the world that he was going to place you in. And he thought about the people that were going to surround you. And the way that you were going to be able to serve the people that were going to surround you. And the way that God would want to move through you to connect and care and to love for people. Scripture actually says that you're his masterpiece. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? He, he, you're his handiwork. Have you ever seen a painter paint something and they maybe would call it their masterpiece? It's like the best of their collection. When God created you, it was like each and every single one of us were the best of his work, the best of his collection. And in doing that, God did something really specific for you. He said that you weren't created just to sit there and look pretty. You were actually created to do, somebody say, good works. 
So how do we go about doing these good works? I'm so glad you asked. In your notes, the, the first thing we need to do when it comes to doing good works, see, Scripture instructs us in the way that we should respond to doing good works. The first thing I think we should do is do a work in a way that fits the invitation. Do our work in a way that fits the invitation. Have you ever been invited to a special event before? No, nobody has. No, yes, Lily has. Is that you, Lily, in the front? Or is that you, Julia? Yes, Julia. Julia's like, yes, I've been to an event. If you've ever been invited to a special event before, you get an invitation. And that invitation gives you some instructions on how you're to show up for that party. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I've missed those invitations before. And I've showed up to the party and it hasn't been good. You know, the invitation says when to be there. How many think that's important? It shows you actually what time to be there and the date. A lot of times the invitation says, hey, here's the attire. Here's how you should dress, casual, formal. The invitation lets you know oftentimes if it's during a mealtime, hey, we're going to be eating, so come hungry. It lets you know that there's a gift registry, so it would be appropriate for you to bring a gift. Or it might say there's no gifts needed for this event. See, if you show up late to this event, if you show up out of dress code for this event, and you show up super hungry and there's only snacks, and you're eating the snacks like it's a meal, and you show up with no gift cards or gifts, my daughter would say, Dad, that's cringe. Like that ain't right to show up with none of those things. You didn't show up right in the way that you were invited to show up. See, God's specific when he asks us to show up and serve. And I love what Matthew 8, 11 and 28 says. We actually talked a little bit about it last week. Jesus invites us to serve and work with him in this way. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, walk with me. See, did you know that you're not called to serve God without God? Right. He, he doesn't like slap you on the hiney and say, go get him, boy. Go out there. Come report back to me later. No. He actually says, come with me. Yeah. And he says, he doesn't say, go out there and get him. He says, come out there and let's get him together. See, we're actually called to serve God with God. Scripture is so clear that we're not out invited to go do something out there great for God while he's way over there. We're supposed to serve God with God. You know, John 14 and 20 gives us a really radical picture of what it's like to work with God. And here's what it says, John 14 and 20. It says this, in that day, it's describing the day that we're saved, the the day that Jesus comes to bring salvation. It says, you will know, Jesus says, that I'm in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. What is scripture saying? It's saying the same way that Jesus and God are one. Jesus is saying in that same way, you and I are one. So in other words, when you go out to serve in the world, you don't go alone. You're invited, Jesus says, to work with me, to work with my will and to work with my ideas, to work under my strength and not yours. Aren't you glad for that? To work under my power and not your power. Aren't you glad for that? To work with my wisdom and not your wisdom alone. Aren't you happy about that? For so many years, I saw myself as somebody who was going out to work for God. 
while he barked orders from way up in the sky beyond this dimension in heaven, I would go out and be a good worker for God. And then I would report back in my prayer time the next morning, hey God, uh, here's what happened. Here's how my day went. And it didn't go really good, and, and I really wish you would have done X, Y, and Z. And I, and I give him this report as if he wasn't with me yeah. all along. <laughs> Anybody ever served God that way before? That's not the invitation that we've been given. God wants to do life with us. He is with us 24-7. And here's the question I have for you today. Do you see yourself as one who works with God Or do you see yourself as one who goes out alone and comes back to report? Because if we do, we we have our idea of who God is and where God is. It's just not scriptural. It's not on point with what scripture says. And so I want to challenge us today that if we're going to serve God correctly, we've got to do it right. And how do we serve God? We serve him in a way that fits the invitation. We go with God everywhere he goes. The second thing in our notes today, we're talking about the response. How should we serve God? We should serve God in a way that fits our function. In a way that fits our function, we see this in Romans 12. Let's take a look at how Paul instructs the church regarding our giftings. Romans 12, we'll read it starting at verse number four. Here's what it says. For as one body, we have many members. This scripture is describing the church as an actual body. If we were to imagine it like a human body, just like this, the Bible describes that it's a body, but there's many members of the body. Did you know that the people are the members of the body, right? That's you and I. We're all members of the body. The body has a head, eyes, ears, mouth, nose, a gut, and arms, and shoulders, and and all kinds of funky things, and Some other things that we can't really talk about today because it would just be awkward and weird. That wasn't in my notes for a reason. It just came out of my mouth. Let's keep reading. It says this, and the members do not all have the same function. What's scripture saying? It's saying this, that we are all different. How many know that? The hand is supposed to grab, it's supposed to hold on, and at times it's supposed to let go. It has a specific function. But wouldn't it be weird if somebody who was supposed to be a hand tried to be a mouth? It would look weird. It wouldn't be right unless the person was really good at sign language. It would just be totally awkward and strange. So the hand actually has to fit exactly where the hand is supposed to fit. The hands should team up with the arms and the feet team up with the legs because we're all fitted perfectly to function in the body of Christ. Let's keep reading. Verse number five, it says this. So we, through many, were one body. Thank you for the reminder, Paul. And individually members of one another. Did you hear that? We're members of one another. Would it be kind of bad of me to treat my body wrong and my hand to abuse my leg? How weird is that? Because we're all members. You're a member of the leg, so treat the leg right. So when we don't treat the other members of the body right, it's like abusing ourselves. So we've got to take care of the body. How many know what I'm talking about today? He goes on in verse 6, and he says... Having gifts that differ. Gifts that what? Differ. They're all different, every single one of us. And it's interesting to me that sometimes 
The gifts that tend to get more attention or seem uh, more popular or it's like, oh, they got that gift because they're really cool. I, and I don't know what those gifts are for you. Maybe it's being on the worship team. Maybe it's like being like Carl who can be on the drums one week or the, the electric guitar the next week or the acoustic or the bass. I don't know like who you're looking at, but how many know that we're supposed to be in the place that we are fitted in because our gifts are different? You're not supposed to be Carl. You're supposed to be you. You're not supposed to do things like me. You're supposed to do them like you. You're not supposed to lead like the superstar youth leader, Julia. You're supposed to actually lead like you. You're supposed to do it your way. Notice Paul says here that our function and our gifts They're not the same. They're all unique. So how do we serve together? In your notes, we serve to complement the body with our custom design. Yeah, baby. Every single one of us have a custom design, and we're all different, and we're all perfect the way God designed us. Listen, we're not designed for chaos. We don't just jump in wherever we want to fit some design that was not ours to fit. In fact, we're supposed to function in order. See, when we don't function in line with our design, we start competing, we start comparing, and it brings chaos to the body. How many of you know that there's no room for chaos in the body? Parts get amputated because of that reason. When they start, like, making the whole body sick, <sighs> I'm just joking. Like, that could be, like, a total, that would be perfect, like, if you're a pastor who wanted to, like, threaten people and you'd be like, we'll cut you off. But uh, that's not what we're doing today. I'm just being weird. How do we discover our function and our giftings in the body? I love how our previous pastor, Mike Benson, put it. He said this, if you want to know how you're supposed to function, if you want to know what your giftings are, not only in the body of Christ, but in your life, in your world, in your workplace, in your family, to look in your hands and look in your heart. When you look in your hands, what do you find yourself enjoying? Do you find yourself enjoying to work with others? Do you like fixing things with your hands? Do you like organizing things? Do you like just serving alongside other people to help them out? Do you like analyzing information so things could be more efficient? Do you like the creative aspect of a thing? Or do you like to lead and manage the thing? Uh, Whatever you find your hands doing, do them with all your heart, Scripture says. These are indications of how God has created you to function in the body and to function in the world. How many of you know that God doesn't make mistakes. And if we would just look into our hands, it's not that complicated. Some people wonder, God, what am I created to do? And they're waiting for some voice from the clouds to speak to them. And God is already speaking to you. He's saying, hey, slow down. Look at how I've created you. Understand the the things that you're good at because it's in doing those things that you will fulfill my purposes for you. If you want to know what you're gifted at, look in your hands, but also look in your heart. What do I mean by that? Actually, what does Pastor Mike mean by that? But I'll use this so many times eventually that I'll just start saying, I've always said, look in your hands and look in your heart. But when you look in your heart, here's what you notice. You can discover what's in your heart by paying attention to your passions. What brings you joy? 
What makes you angry? What makes you cry? What brings your heart satisfaction and fulfillment? See, when you look in your hands and you look in your heart, these are often indicators as to how God has gifted and created you to function in the body. Now, those of you who love online assessments, I'm going to just give you a couple. You can write them down if you're trying to discover your giftings. And actually, these can be very helpful for you in understanding how you function, not only in the body of Christ, but as you function as the body of Christ out in the world. You can check out Strength Finders. That's a great assessment. Strength Finders. Another really good assessment is the Working Genius Assessment. That's a great assessment, the Working Genius Assessment. We just took our staff through that. We've taken our staff through Strength Finders. There's another assessment. It's a classic, the Disc Profile Assessment. That's a really good one. There's an old school one. I love old. The older I get, I love old school, so I'm old school. Um, There's an old school one called the Personality Plus Assessment, the Personality Plus Assessment, and everybody over 40 just nodded their head like, yes, I like that one too. So those are just a few, but we're talking about the response today. How do we respond when God is recruiting us and bringing us into the family of God? How should we respond? The third thing that I noticed today as we look at scripture is we should respond and serve and work in a way that fits our maturity. In a way that fits our maturity. See, Paul talks a lot about moral expectation for different roles in the church. These moral expectations are marks of character. They're marks of maturity in Christ. And and because of this... We have to do things that match our maturity. For example, if you're a new believer, you shouldn't be expecting us to ask you to teach or lead people right away, right? That's just, that, that would be, that, that just wouldn't be right. There, we got to learn some things before we start teaching and leading in the body of Christ. The opposite is also true, that just because you've been a believer for a long period of time does not mean you're ready to lead. Why? Because years spent as a believer does not always equal maturity as a believer. How many of us have known people that have served God for a long time? They, they've got great head knowledge. They've got great church attendance. And they have memorized scripture. But they're very emotionally unhealthy. They don't know how to treat themselves. They don't know how to treat other people. See, here's the deal. Without time spent in intentional discipleship, it's nearly impossible to become a mature believer. And that's why we've got to fit a role that matches our maturity. What does scripture have to say about this? Scripture says that it's simply about character. I'm going to paraphrase this morning. First Timothy chapter number three, Paul gives us some qualifications for church leaders. Here's what he says. For men, he says, if you're looking for a mature man, find one who's faithful to his wife. Find a husband. Now, we're not just talking about sexually faithful. We're talking about emotionally faithful. We're talking about a husband that comes home after work and and comes home and gives time to his wife, gives time emotionally to her, gives time physically. He cares about her well-being and he does not neglect his wife, but he cares for her. Sometimes we've like lowered the standard really low on what it means to be faithful. Oh, I bring a paycheck home. Oh, great job. 
We should all do our part. Nobody gets an applause for just doing our part. No, but somebody who brings a paycheck home and comes and, and he serves and he's emotionally available he, and he's, he's caring for the needs of his family. We should also be temperate or sober-minded, Paul says to Timothy. Somebody who's not thoughtless about how they do things. Somebody that's actually wise. That's what Paul is describing here. Somebody who considers all the angles of a thing before they make a judgment. How many of you know that's maturity? See, when you hear information the first time, there's a temptation to go, that must be true. And then we just go run to the world. And then the, then the worst thing we can do is go post on social media about it. Have you taken time to understand all of the things around this issue before you actually make a declaration about it? Somebody, Scripture says, who is self-controlled, that's the mark of maturity. This means that they're self-aware of their triggers. How, how many of you have ever met somebody before who they're aware of their triggers? And they warn you of them. They know, like, hey, don't talk to me in the morning. They know, like, you know, hey, we come to work, you're all, you know, you're peppy patty, and I'm not peppy patty, so don't talk to me until I have my cup of coffee. Like, they just, they just know how they roll. And so they, they help people around them to, we just adjust to each other, and we work with each other, right? They're, they're wise in their self-control. They know this, that if they put themselves in this situation, it probably won't be good. So they're aware of the little signs that go off in their life, and they go, oh, okay, can I get a timeout real quick? Thank you. Oh, okay. What, how can I help you? So they, they know how to deal with themselves. And see, when you, when you lack self-awareness, you explode in front of people all the time. And, and you, you let loose when you shouldn't let loose. And you, you throw all your words out there. You're like, I'm just going to tell you everything that everybody knows. And too, they're, 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 they're too scared to tell you, so I'm going to say. No, Scripture says that we should be self-controlled and sober-minded. Listen, somebody who takes on leadership uh, in the area of a church and they're, they're operating in a place that matches their maturity, they're respectable. Yeah. They have a good reputation among the body. Scripture says they're also somebody who's not a lover of money. They understand that God is their source and money is just a resource. They understand that they're going to live a life of generosity because they serve a generous God. They're going to be committed to doing their part in the family through their tithes and through giving and through serving. Now, I know this is a really tall order. How many of you know that there's, there's also something called grace? But how many of you know that also there's something called we are striving for something great in life? We are striving to be everything that God has called us to be. And there are some roles that you cannot serve in because they don't match your maturity. Here's what I want us to know today. And this is a little bit of a challenge. If you want to mature your faith today and you want to grow in your faith, I want to invite you to ask the Holy Spirit to talk to you about the things in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Would you invite him in your prayer time to just go through line by line and say, Lord, is there something that you want to talk to me about in terms of temperance? Is there something you want to talk to me about in terms of self-control? Is there something you want to talk to me about when it comes to being sober-minded and, and not being caught up in the emotion of a moment and being able to just slow down and, and assess and think through and hear everything and then ask Holy Spirit to draw out the truth to me? 
And so I think that'd be a great exercise for some of us to do. I'm going to do that same exercise because there's some things in here that I'm like, hmm, I don't really like that one, God. So I'm pretty sure that's the one that you want to draw my attention to so that you can help me. See, we all serve in a way that fits our maturity. And here's the bottom line in your notes. Our maturity determines our role, responsibility, and requirements for serving. (laughs) Our maturity determines our role, responsibility, and requirements for serving. If you're wondering why you haven't gotten that raise yet, if you're wondering why you haven't been given greater responsibility, it probably tracks back to maturity. If you're wondering why your parents haven't released certain authorities to you yet, it probably tracks back to Maturity. See, the lesser responsibility, the lesser requirements, but the greater responsibility, the greater requirements. How many know that more is expected out of a volunteer director than just a greeter? How many know that? How many know that more is expected out of a deacon than just a volunteer director? How many of you know? Landon, you know that, right? You've got to be the last one here to lock up. They don't. How many know that more is expected out of the pastoral staff than the deacons. See, if we want to line up and live in a way that fits our maturity, we need to be self-aware. The next thing we're talking about today and the last thing in our notes, when we're talking about the response, how should we respond to somebody? How should we respond as somebody who's called to work for the Lord? Lastly, in your notes, I notice that we should respond and serve and work in a way that fits our field. How many of you know that if you're in a cornfield, you need to know about corn? <laughs> it does you no good to know about apple trees if you're in a cornfield. We've got to serve and work in a way that fits our field. We should be good stewards of the field we're in. We should know about it. We should understand it. We should know how it works. We should know all of the right equipment that belongs in the field. We should know all the right types of workers that belong in the field and and when to harvest and when to seed and when to water. See, God has planted every single one of us right where we find ourselves today. See, some of us wish we were planted in another field, and that's not where God planted you. He planted you in the school that you're in for a particular reason. He planted you in the career field and the work environment that you're in for a particular reason. He planted you in the church that you're in. He planted you in the family that you're in. So serve in a way that fits your field. As long as you're daydreaming about working in someone else's field, you're going to die. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, he gives us some instructions on how we're to serve in our fields. He says, each one's been given a gift, so use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Did you know that although we work in different fields, like our family, our career, the education field, the church, we should serve one another. That's how we should do it. It's not about serving ourselves and getting all the things that we want. It's about using our gifts to bless those in the field. He also describes this by using the phrase, be a good steward of the gift. How many of you know some of us are gifted naturally? 
And one of the things that when we're gifted with a natural gift, we sometimes can sit back on our gift because we think, well, it's better than most of the people around us. It's probably good enough. But no, Paul actually says, steward the gift that you have. In other words, work on it, learn on it, get more training on it, get coaching on it. I mean, some of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL, they all have personal trainers. They all have coaches. And most great quarterbacks in high school might be thinking, I don't need no coach. I'm already a good quarterback. No, the greatest quarterbacks on the planet get coaching every single week. We've got to be a good steward of our gift. We should read books about it. We should listen to podcasts about it. We should get around people who share the same types of gifts as us so they can rub off on us so that we can learn from them. If you love to sing, hang out with worship leaders. Hang out with people who sing. If you love to serve, hang out with Roger. Hang out with Sammy Tina Hero. I mean, get around some of these people who are who are gifted in some of the same areas of you that you are in so that you can grow in your gifting. I love the saying, the grass is not green on the other side of the fence. It's green where you water it. We've got to be a good steward of the fields that we're in. What would take place in the fields that you're in if you were all that God was depending on? Would the fields that you're in, you're in flourish or would they suffer? Would they struggle? Would they need a new manager? Would they need new workers? Would they need new people in the fields? I think that's a, a fair question for us to ask ourselves today. God, am I doing my part in the fields that you've planted me in? In my family, am I doing my part? Am I carrying my weight? in the classroom, in the education world, on the band team, at work, in my marriage, in my partnership with my child as we're parenting. Oh, it's a partnership. You got to learn to work together. You got to learn how each other tick. Now, so I saw one of, the, one of the kids just looked at dad like, yeah, daddy, you know it's a partnership. Look, we've got to learn how to work together. This, that's the only way that it works. Here's what I know in your notes. We should plan to serve, and we should plant and serve. Listen, we should be committed in our mind as people of God. I am going to serve. 